Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Landsharks After Dark, uh, Monday edition. I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Tefantic. What's up, John? Oh, not much. Just uh, enjoying another fresh foot of snow up here in Boston. We're, uh, I think we're 12 inches from the all-time record for a seasonal snow- snowfall, so we're on the precipice of history here. Wow, that's impressive, man. That's uh, quite an honor, I guess. That's Sean Tefantic. I'm Justin Sanders. Um, joining you today from Jackson, Mississippi, where it's not quite as cold as Boston, but it's not wonderful weather outside. Uh, we're going to be talking Ole Miss sports like we are prone to do on this show. Uh, it was uh, a week for the Rebels in baseball and basketball of a mixed success. Basketball, Rebels split one and one, ended their six-game winning streak, uh, but also beat Florida in Gainesville. And in baseball, opening series in Oxford uh, versus William & Mary, the Rebels won two games and lost one. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was a decent week. We'll start out with basketball. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, it was an exciting week in the beginning in Gainesville when the Rebels uh, knocked off Florida by one point with a buzzer beater from Stephon Moody. It was, it was a good game. Uh, Florida is a better team. Maybe their record indicates. I think they're right around 500 overall. But they, they played pretty hard. They were without their best player, Michael Frazier, who had given Ole Miss fits earlier in the season in Oxford. So that definitely helped the Rebels. But uh, – a good road win, uh, which was followed a couple of days later on short turnaround with a tough home loss, this time uh, once again by one point to Arkansas uh, in Ted Smith Coliseum. It was a, a rough way to win or to lose, I mean, um, as the Rebels had a one-point win at the maybe 25 seconds left, and Arkansas went down and, and got a shot, not much time left, so this wasn't able to come back and score, but... Not a terrible week at all for the Rebels' RPI, uh, still sub-40s, very much a tournament team at this point. So the schedule goes on. John, what did you think about this week? What were you able to catch? Well, certainly a very exciting week, as you said, for Ole Miss basketball, two uh, one-point games. The first, the uh, road win at Florida, which Moody, uh, that play, I guess that play at the end of the game kind of broke down schematically from what they had, uh, AK had drawn up. But Moody was, but Rhett, being a savvy uh, veteran that he is, kind of set an out, set a uh, subtle screen out there outside. Moody stepped up and hit hit a big shot there at the end of the game to give Ole Miss the one point win. It kind of reminded me of uh, Chris Warren's uh, his senior year, the three he uh, hit to beat the Brandon Knight Kentucky team. It was kind of a jack jack and one up deep and make it with two or three seconds left. So. I thought that game was huge because we talked about last week how we didn't particularly care for the Thursday to Saturday turnaround for Ole Miss. Although, as I after watching the Arkansas game, I don't think there was a rest didn't have any effect on that. That was really one of the most entertaining basketball games I've watched in a long time between Ole Miss and Arkansas. Um, 
the Hogs are a very athletic and skilled team and capable on their best day of playing and beating anybody in the country. So, and we talked about almost played lights out in favor early in the year and went in there and won. And then, and then really, I mean, that, that game could have gone either way. Almost had a couple different opportunities to hit shots that would have put the game away in the last couple minutes. And that, but uh, unfortunately, they had a Arkansas with a showed showed their depth with the score. There were six seconds left, and then. A uh, little bit of controversy around whether AK should have called timeout to set up a play, but he's in the past has always just gone ahead and inbounded the ball, and which it really makes sense because Arkansas was in full-blown celebration mode expecting a timeout. We it only right. kind of caught him off guard, but it just didn't work out there at the end. I mean, I think and really, the, the, I mean, the, the teams, from an NCAA tournament standpoint, this team's in good shape. I think they have a 37, 38 RPI. Every, pretty much every bracketologist has them as a nine seed or nine seed going to Charlotte right now, which given the way they regionalize tournament games to get people in the stadium, that sounds about right. But what a mm-hmm. the, the big discussion point here, I think, is the play of Jarvis Summers. He's your senior. He was a preseason All-SEC player by some, according to some media members. And he uh, he only had two points at Florida. Is that right, Justin? Yeah, I think two against Florida and maybe seven against Arkansas. Yeah, he has he is not playing with 100% confidence right now, to say the least. And it's and for this basketball team to achieve its maximum potential, they need a confident Jarvis Summers that acts as the closer and as the guy you know who's going to take the shot and deliver and execute down the stretch. So that's. That's the thing to watch. The rest of this team's really come together. They have depth now on the front court with uh, Red and Saez and Colby and mm-hmm. Perez playing as a flex. Uh, Perez is giving them excellent minutes off the bench. Terrence Smith is giving them depth at, depth at point guard. They really they have all the complementary pieces there. Moody gives you the explosive score, but the kind of the foundation of the team on paper is Jarvis and for. It's kind of it's really a testament to the rest of the team. We can sit here and talk about Jarvis, your best player struggling, yet they were able to win a close road game against Florida and could have easily won the game against Arkansas on Saturday. So, what I guess mm-hmm. my question, you have to be curious to hear your thoughts on Jarvis and kind of how that unfolds here the next three weeks or so. Right, exactly. I think that really obviously is the, the question: if Ole Miss is going to stay kind of at the level it's been at all season, or if it's going to potentially. Uh, become a team that can make a deep run of the tournament is going to have to be the play of Jarvis Summers. He doesn't really have to score 20 points a game just to be successful, uh, but he has to have a lot of assists, and he needs to take good shots, and he needs to make his free throws. The problem with Jarvis Summers' last few games is taking runners maybe 10 seconds into the shot clock and uh, breaking those shots out, um, not necessarily finishing all of his free throws, uh, some, some dumb turnovers, and just kind of looking tentative not driving to the hole and drawing fouls like he has done in the past, kind of what we've gotten used to seeing him do. Uh, that's something that players like Stephon Moody are very good at doing. Uh, Terrence Smith has, has shown an ability to do that, although he's definitely more of a passer, uh, which, like I said, is fine. The point guard position right now for Ole Miss it just needs a very confident ball handler, someone that can set plays up and assist. Um, because the like, the post players are playing so well, as you mentioned. I mean, you're getting consistent points out of Colby, Saez, and Rhett, which is really great. And you're getting consistent energy out of uh, Anthony Perez. So it, it's not really about the point guard being a scoring threat right now. It just needs to be someone that you can trust with the ball in their hands, someone that's not going to turn it over. 
Um, and a player like Jarvis, you would think, would, would be playing like that. So I, I don't necessarily know if it's something you could point to specifically. It's a confidence issue. Um, but he has looked like a little bit off of his game. People have talked about it um, in the last possession before Arkansas went up at the very end. Um, Jarvis Summers had a, had a decent look and instead passed the ball to Martavius Newby in the corner. Obviously, Newby is not much of a scorer. He's a, he's a defensive guy. And that was weird. That was something you didn't expect to see from Jarvis at that point in the game when Ole Miss desperately needed a basket. Uh, it was definitely something that Newby wasn't expecting. He, didn't, he wasn't really sure what to do. He ended up driving to the basket, missing a layup. Um, but I, I think Jarvis can definitely bounce back from the way he's played in the last, I want to say, maybe five or six games. He's, he's shown flashes throughout SEC play, although he has, he's looked kind of hot and cold the whole season and has been underperforming kind of the preseason expectations for him. But um, he's a great player, so we just have to hope that he's going to get back into the, those old ways of consistency and physicality. And we got to hope he's not injured because you know, that is limiting this team. But it's a, it's a tough position to be in for the team because they have gone so far, even with him playing the way he has. You have to ask yourself, you know, can Terrence Smith take this team further than Jarvis Summers right now? Um, and, and it's hard to ask that question because is that really being fair to your senior point guard who's, who's done so much for your program and has started for three and a half years and, and has been very solid for you. So it's a tough place for Coach Andy Kennedy, but the good news for him is that he has a lot of pieces to work with and his team is still very much alive. Uh, in NCAA discussion, looking ahead, there is a absolute must win coming up on Thursday night at Starkville, which is, uh, kind of a, a tall order, just given recent history. I think Andy Kennedy has won one time in uh, the hump in Starkville in his career. So trends are an important thing in sports, but Mississippi State's team this year is not very good. I think they're around 170, 175 in the RPI. So that's not a game that Ole Miss can afford to lose as it continues to build its tournament resume. Um, are you worried about the game in Starkville, John? I know a lot of Ole Miss fans are. Well, history says we should we should definitely be worried. Uh, now, I will say this team and its demeanor, and its attitude, and its experience, it's probably in a lot of ways the best team that I can think almost the best team I can think of that's, that's uh, suited to go into Starkville and deal with that environment. And um, we we were kind of we were skeptical of the uh, Thursday Saturday turnaround this past week. This week, it's the Thursday turnaround again, but I think it's kind of a good thing in this sense. It gives a couple of days off that Arkansas game, uh, kind of just sit there and get over it and move on so instead of having to come back on Tuesday and get folks to go start Mill to require effort. But the bottom line is, is Ole Miss is clearly the better team. They should – they come out focused. They should, they should win the game, and they simply – have to win the game. And looking at the schedule, they need, as far as, I mean, they're in the NCAA tournament now. Nobody's arguing that, but to stay that way, they need to go 2-0 and this week. Given Mississippi State has a not good RPI and to quantify not good, we were talking 178 according to Warren Nolan. So essentially all of the, the good that Ole Miss has done the past six weeks or so to kind of to nullify those bad early season losses, they could throw all of that uh, equity away with one bad night in Starkville. But I think I think that this team is focused and goes in and takes care of business in Starkville. For for whatever reason, their their experience and seniority kind of strikes me as a very level-headed team. And they played well on the road all year, as we've talked about. Really, they've been better there than they have at home for whatever reason. Doesn't make doesn't make that much sense. But 
regardless, mm-hmm. they I think they're in good shape. And then Tennessee is really on a slide lately. They they were around RPI was around fifty earlier about three weeks ago. They're down to eighty three. So I I think Tennessee at home is a game barring just a weird outing they should take care of. I mean I I this team needs to go two zero this week, but I expect them to. And mm-hmm. back to Jarvis real quick. We're not. I mean Jarvis has proven to be a a really good player over his whole career at Ole Miss. He kind of as we sit there and talk about it, he kind of reminds me of Preston Overby last year in baseball, how he was – everybody kind of get on as a senior, make an error here and error there. But when it came around to postseason play, Overby hit – he hit, hit played his best all year. Hit I think he hit 100 points or 50 to 100. I'm not exactly sure. He, he had a much higher batting average in the postseason than he did in the regular season. And kind of the, his signature moment being that uh, – uh, go-ahead solo shot in the second uh, game of the Super Regional. So you knew his experience and just staying patient will be there. And I think Jarvis kind of has the – he's always been a calm, level-headed guy. If he just rides out the waves of momentum up and down, I think he'll eventually – I think this team will get finals win the NCAA tournament. And if he can put it together and reach return to his uh, high-caliber play of the, either of the previous two seasons, they, I mean, the, this team, I think, makes the NCAA tournament – but if they want to make a run in the tournament, they need Jarvis to really uh, – they need to see Jarvis kind of have a renaissance here, which he's more than capable of. He might have some nagging injury, but regardless, I think – I think this – I mean, just to summarize it here, I think this team takes care of business this week. They put them at 10-4, and four, sitting just for – all they would essentially have to do is split the last four games to, uh, to solidify their tournament spot. And I think – I think an old veteran like Jarvis will, will see the tournament, realize his last opportunity. I kind of I like where this team sits. I I was encouraged by the way they play against Arkansas. I mean, they look like a team that looks like Ole Miss. Like they go out there and give anybody in the country a game. But regardless, we will see how that unfolds going forward. Yeah, it's tough. It was it's tough to judge because um, I was at the basketball game. Somehow I don't know how it's always happened to me, but anytime I get tickets. Um, or someone gives me tickets, I wind up sitting with road fans. I had an Arkansas couple right in front of me. I had an old Arkansas lady to my back left. But, man, it's got to be a joke. But uh, we'd been watching baseball all day, so obviously we were enthused by the time the basketball game came around. Uh, and it seemed like we weren't getting too many calls, although I think you could say that went both ways uh, in the game, kind of letting them play the referees were, which – I can be okay with that um, when it comes to some, some fouls, some body stuff. It's a little annoying on walks and things like that when it just seems totally inconsistent. But you can't really complain too much about officiating um, when both teams get the same refs. It was a good effort for Ole Miss, definitely. Obviously, some what-ifs in that game, some things that made you say, wow, you really could have taken care of that and stretched the win streak to seven. But it's okay. Hopefully, um, the other team can get stronger from it and uh, a little bit tougher. Um, but they are a tough team, and they've shown uh, they can battle back from adversity. A lot of teams, you know, come out and drop bad non-conference games, and they would let it get in their head and let it, um, you know, drag them down. This wasn't a team anybody would have thought would uh, be in this kind of shape tournament-wise if you looked back at them a month and a half, two months ago. So, We'll see how they play this week. I personally have to agree with you that uh, they will take care of business in Starkville. Um, you know, obviously, looking at those trends we were discussing earlier, a lot of Ole Miss, has, Ole Miss fans have said that in the past and been wrong, but this team is different than those Ole Miss teams. 
there's a lot of talent on this team that doesn't know anything about the old Mississippi State rivalry. Uh, all they know is five-on-five basketball and the better talent wins. And I think Ole Miss has a much deeper, more talented team in Mississippi State. So that should be a game um, worth watching, as it is any time Mississippi State and Ole Miss play in any sport Thursday night. Um, I'm guessing on SEC Network. I'm not sure, John, maybe on FSN or something. But you can get it on TV. Um, and then t- Tennessee, Saturday, in Oxford. Um, should be should be uh, some game, very winnable games for the Rebels. But that was the week that, that was in basketball. Um, that big moody shot has a little bit of a – maybe a little bit of a legend status. As time goes on, we'll see. It was a great buzzer beater. Not quite as big as Marshall shot against Vanderbilt or anything like that, but – it was really fun. That was a great game. So, good week in basketball. And uh, as we mentioned, also the first week Ole Miss baseball, um, which is always a great time in any Ole Miss fan's life, even though it's not quite warm enough to sit out at Swayze Field with your shorts on yet. It was it was still nice to be back out there this weekend. Um, very interesting, um, just from predicting the season-wise. It's kind of what we talked about before the season. Uh, the team looked really competent, I thought, swinging the bat. Um, the lineup looked more solid than I expected it to. Got the production out of guys at the bottom of the order that I really was not not uh, expecting. Um, Austin Knight had decent at-bats. Cameron Deshaun had good at-bats. Then some of the completely untested guys, uh, Kyle Watson, uh, had a couple doubles, I think, in Friday night's game. Um, some of the other guys coming coming in from, from high school and JUCO also looked pretty good. So do you get a chance to watch the baseball this weekend, John? What would you think? I saw most of Friday's game kind of following it with, I'd say, about 75% attention, and I was out of pocket Saturday, so I'll be asking you here a few things about Saturday. But uh, Friday, uh, Christian Trent went out there and did what he does. Didn't have his best stuff, but he battled through it, was able to get out of a couple different jams, which was always, which he has a real knack for maneuvering out of those situations. Um, uh, in that game, that, that game, Bill and Mary decided to commit a bunch of errors in the second inning, which was pretty entertaining. And the game got tightened back up before uh, breaking it open in the eighth. I, from what I saw, I really liked Colby Bortles' approach at the plate. He seemed patient, much more mature. I think a lot of people are taking for, taking it for granted. And if we're going to plug him in the cleanup spot, he'll go and hit, say, 330 and be a productive bat. And he's got all the talent and ability to do that and be a power bat in the middle of the lineup. But he's still needs to prove it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But he uh, he's really looked like a guy that's embraced a full-time role and will definitely be a contributor this year, which I'm excited to watch. And then also, like he said, I was the, we had some concerns about the depth of the lineup coming in. And, from, and it's one weekend, and we'll probably be – we could be screaming bloody murder if we if offense goes into a slump here in the next couple of weeks. But regardless, I think they have pieces that can contribute. Kyle Watson had a big uh, – Big game one with a couple RPIs, a couple, excuse me, RBIs and RPIs. I'm getting our acronyms mixed up here. But uh, he looks like him, especially being a right-handed bat, I think will be important. Um, Wayne House did not put, play this weekend, right? So he I don't think so. He might, have, he might have had an at-bat. No, I think Larteague was the DH. Uh, I think Larteague, yeah. So he, and Larteague was good, too. Larteague had some, had some hits. So yeah, so uh, it'll be they they have a lot, n- number of hits from a number of guys. So I think there's there's more as just, just as you alluded to, there's more depth uh, in the lineup than appears. And they just, the really kind of the big key question, biggest question I have come out this weekend. And you were you were there Saturday, so I'll let you yeah. take on this. But uh, 
Sam Smith had a shaky outing. Uh, from going back to last year, he was really good the first half of the season. Kind of wore down the second half, but he uh, came out that he had a sports hernia, sports hernia halfway through the season. The pitch through it didn't say a word. It was a real, was a showed a lot of toughness in that regard. But we've noticed a trend at the end of last year, and we and it's one game, and it could be a total fluke. But what we have to go off of thus far is that Sam is really struggling the second time through the order. The fourth inning really got away from him on Saturday. So, mm-hmm. kind of, you have any thoughts from watching Sam in person just on that situation? Yeah. So, let's, we'll, run, we'll do a quick um, score recap, too, since we haven't on to be mentioned that yet. So, the Friday night game that John was talking about earlier, uh, Ole Miss ended up winning that one 9-4. to four. Um, A lot of runs scored in that one. And then the first game on Saturday was a doubleheader uh, due to weather. Uh, really got away from Ole Miss, ended up finishing off Floyd and Mary 8, Ole Miss 1. And that had a lot to do with, uh, like you said, the fourth inning where Sam Smith kind of fell apart. I think he loaded the bases, um, maybe even gave up one run, and then uh, he was pulled and Matt Denny replaced him. Matt Denny kept walking people as well. They just they, they couldn't find a strike. I think, I think if I remember reading the recaps correctly, all that damage – that uh, Sam Smith and Matt Denny took happened in a third of an inning, and it was like something like four or five runs scored in, in that one third of an inning. So that was rough um, from, a, from a pitching standpoint. Sam Smith just could not find the zone. I, I was just sitting there watching uh, from the grandstands at that point during game one, uh, really getting a good angle on it, and he just throwing ball after ball. Um, he seemed to just – all he really was – all he needed to do was you know, throw some strikes, let him hit it. I mean, he was just loading the bases full, so it did not look good. He was really struggling. Um, he, he didn't really look crisp before that inning. He wasn't maybe as good as he was in the first half of last season um, when he was, you know, he wasn't an overwhelming pitcher, but he could get you out, and uh, he would also pitch the contact some, but we were just seeing a lot more balls uh, in that first game on Saturday. So definitely not encouraging from that one game perspective, although honestly he just had an off day and he could come back. But there was other depth in the bullpen that was, that was encouraging. Uh, I think Jacob Wagenstack came in after Matt Denny did and threw maybe four or five innings. That was pretty good. Uh, in the first game, after um, somebody a little shaky from the bullpen, I forget who, uh, Weathersby came in, uh, retired, I think, eight in a row. So that was good. I, I love the way Scott Weathersby pitched as the closer. Um, and obviously, in the in the last game on Saturday, Ole Miss didn't have much trouble at all with him and Mary. They were they were out of pitchers early in the game. You could tell um, they left a the guy out there who just couldn't show. Him. They didn't have anybody else in the pen. So uh, Ole Miss won the rubber match handily, sixteen to two. But that was uh, that was what I saw pitching wise. I'm not much of a pitching expert, but it was obvious that Smith was really struggling and Denny was really struggling out there as well. So that's something Ole Miss has to figure out moving forward. Um, the good news is there are more than three potential starters on the roster, counting uh, Brady Bramlett, who looked very good in the second game on Saturday, and Sean Johnson, the JUCO transfer, who is missing games right now with a little tendonitis. But, you know, um, Sam Smith could, could lose a starting spot if he keeps pitching like that. We'll see that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the rotation plays out, and this is probably jumping the gun, but regardless, it wouldn't – I think – I think Brady Bramlett, I've said it a couple of times on, the, on our podcast in previous episodes, I think Brady Bramlett's a legit SEC rotation guy. And he's, um, or his, his first indication this year is that he's good to go and back from shoulder surgery. So I think 
I mean, basically, I don't see how you can take him out of the rotation anytime soon. Now, I think it sounds like Johnson's going to need a couple more weeks, maybe out of the pen to fully heal. And also gives uh, Sam a couple weeks to show what he's got, or is this just a one-time deal, or is it going to be seeing a pattern emerge from the end of last year and the start of this year? So that will be – that's the biggest thing to follow. But regardless, they they have enough arms just sorting out the specific roles. We know the back end of the bullpen will be good with weather's being wide short. Um, they need Matt Denny to solidify and be able to be a, a left-handed specialist and be able to contribute to certain spots. So we will mm-hmm. see how all that unfolds going forward. Um, yeah, another, another, another baseball storyline that emerged this week since our last episode was uh, some new regulations put in place on right field, the student section of the Soybean Field, uh, by the athletic department. Um, you know, it, it appears trying to lessen their liability uh, for things like underage drinking. Some of the new rules included wristbands for students um, 21 and over. Uh, some other stuff like no couches allowed in right field, which, I mean, if you read some of the stuff that the department said, it actually made sense. They were saying that squirrels were nesting in the couches uh, in right field. So I understand <laughs> that one personally, although uh, – Red Cup Rebellion reported today in their, in their right field recap that people brought couches in anyway, which I thought was hilarious that something as large as a couch is not even regulated uh, within the rules in right field. So, yeah, I want to report from Swayze Field that uh, the Twitter overreaction to the new rifle regulations was a little overblown. I saw absolutely no problem or any real change from years past in right field this weekend. Um, I, I had a general admission ticket. I was sitting in the stands, and I sat in right field and in left field. Um, and I never had a wristband. I moved about freely. I I am 21, but no one ever bothered me um, drinking beer in right field or anything like that. So I, I think it's mostly just um, a PR thing and a liability thing. But no need for people to you know be up in arms and be criticized for all the work and all that when they hadn't even seen what was going to happen. I think they were definitely overreacting. Um, so that's good news. Uh, good news, I know, for you too, John. You're going to come down for some baseball sometime this season, right? I uh, hope to make it. We'll see. I guess, I don't know. Did you hear anything about the cool- The other thing that was in the new oh, yeah, yeah, regulations right. was uh, the maximum cooler size of 20 quarts, which the cooler right. that Justin and I used to tag team and take out the Swayze was slightly bigger than that. So, um, it was, to- yeah, quite a bit bigger than 20, I guess, maybe at least twice that size, but. I'm not so sure about that one. I don't know how much they were enforcing that, although um, I think in that same Red Cup article they said they hadn't had any problems or they hadn't heard of anyone having problems with their coolers. But I can understand that rule a little bit as well because people do take some huge coolers out there that take up a lot of space where people could be sitting there standing. So, I mean, if that's the worst they're going to do to you is, is make you bring a cooler that can only hold 20 or 25 beers per person, that'll probably be a, a regulation that people can, can adhere to. It'll be all right. But um, yeah, that that was that was baseball this first week. Uh, the next game coming up on Tuesday is Arkansas State uh, in Oxford. Although apparently the weather is going to be very cold, I saw pictures on Twitter uh, right before we came on the show uh, that Ole Miss Picks was posting of ice on the trees and some of the other places around campus. So obviously, it's very cold in Oxford right now. I would not be surprised if that game got postponed to a, a later date in the season. I think we saw that last season against maybe was it Memphis, John? There was a there's a game that got pushed back a month or two. Yeah. I'm looking at the weather dot com right now. They're calling for potential like forty percent chance of snow showers tomorrow night. So Right. 
we'll see if this game gets played tomorrow. Probably, I agree with you, probably gets pushed back. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And then uh, this weekend is another home series versus Wright State, who I think is also decent. I, that's the thing about Ole Miss's non-conference schedule, John. There, there aren't really many gimmies. There aren't many bad teams. They're mostly tournament teams, mostly teams that are expected to be top 100, top 150 RPI, to my limited knowledge of college baseball. Would you would you think that's true? Yeah, I get. I don't know the details. I get the impression that the middle of the road schedule at UCF could be, as I got it pulled up here, could be interesting. I know the that spring break week for Ole Miss, they travel to Louisville and they travel to Baton Rouge. That's really when that's they, tough. when they hit the meat of the schedule. They also hit they have Southern and Hattiesburg before a conference play starts, which all, that's, that's a loss. That's a definite. That's a definite loss. The midweek yeah, game against Southern that is an absolute loss. I totally agree, but. Yeah. Regardless, we'll see. This team tried to allude to last week with the way the schedule's laid out and given kind of the, the new parts they're integrating to the to the specific roles. I think it'll be interesting to see how this team builds and develops. I think they'll uh, continuously grow over the season and really should have an opportunity to be playing their best baseball at the end of the year, just based on everybody getting sorted, getting uh, accustomed to the new. Uh, New faces as well as different roles, like like Bortles, for example, going from a uh, part-time player to a cog in the mobile lineup. So we'll see how that unfolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, looks okay on defense. You mentioned Bortles; he's at third base now. Um, there were there were some some errors definitely throughout the weekend. Um, star freshman Tate Blackman uh, looks a little nervous out there. Didn't have a great weekend at the plate or the field. Um, but Kobe Bortles looked very good at third base. Uh, Sykes Orvis is, is a good first baseman, although he started off slow with the plate. Not really a big surprise for me. Um, Sykes has kind of a mental aspect to his game with the plate, uh, where he can he can kind of work himself into. I don't know. I don't know if you agree with the job, but when I see Sykes with the plate, sometimes, uh, especially if he's coming off a strikeout or something like that, you can kind of look and tell by the way he's holding the bat, the way he's sitting at the plate, if he's gonna if he's gonna get a big hit or if he's probably going to to ground out or strike out. So I think Cyclovis is obviously going to have a huge part on this team. I don't think the one for ten start is really that worrisome when you're talking about a guy uh, that has you know proven numbers the last two seasons. So, um, like you said, a lot of pieces, kind of like the basketball team this year. There's um, a lot of interesting pieces that are going to fit together in different ways over the season, and we saw that this weekend. There were there was a lot of um, rotating at the corners of the outfield and a little shuffling in the infield. We have some infielders that have been playing in the outfield so that can make for some uh, some creative roster switches late in the game. Mike Bank has been doing a lot of different stuff like that. So I think he's going to keep experimenting with the lineup and really just see, you know, who develops in the non-conference schedule. Um, hopefully get set up for a, a tough SEC slate starting out um, and then a more, a more manageable back end of the schedule. So baseball is underway. Good news, good news, like we've been saying for a long time. Very exciting. Lots of games. Um, that's the best thing about baseball is there's so many games. Three a weekend plus the midweek games. you got to love that. Um, you want to move on, though, John? we got one more topic, I think, on our agenda. Uh, something we've been talking about, I think, since the show started or kind of, you know, hoping that we would get to talk about. And uh, that's a, a possible commitment from five-star quarterback Shea Patterson, um, one of the best players in the class of 2016. A lot of outlets have him ranked uh, as a top-five player. I think just today he moved into number three spot in the uh, Rivals 100. 
which is the top loader players in the class, obviously. He's down. You uh, you have to think the three finalists, best we can tell, which would be LSU, Ole Miss, USC. I'm not sure he said that specifically recently, but you know his brother works at LSU. Uh, he's got a relationship with USC, uh, and then he's been rumored to Ole Miss for more than a month now. Has talked very highly about Hugh Freeze and Coach Dan Werner. So um, he's committing tomorrow morning. We should say uh, Tuesday, Fat Tuesday. Um, a good sign. You have to think, at least if you're us, for Ole Miss, that he chose to commit to a school in the middle of a very busy day in Louisiana. Uh, he does go to high school in Louisiana, so it's always, obviously, uh, as we talked about before, a tall task for a Louisiana kid to uh, leave Louisiana and go to a school other than LSU. So I think um, things are very possibly looking good for the Rebels tomorrow. What do you say, John? Yeah, I mean, just to to cut to the chase, um, Sean Patterson, Shay's older brother, by all accounts, I don't think he's been officially announced by any stretch, but it sure it looks like appears he's accepted a, a job off the field at Ole Miss and been hired away from LSU, which is a key component to uh, Shay's recruitment. And you talk about prying him away from Louisiana, which is obviously difficult to do, but he being in Shreveport, as uh, those of you familiar with Louisiana know, that the northern part of Louisiana there along I-20 is, is quite a bit different than southern Louisiana. So it's, it's easier to go in and get kids from that part of the of the state, which really doesn't have a strong allegiance towards any direction. Fayetteville's uh, in the northern part of Arkansas, and the Texas schools don't really seem to come in and poach. Seems like, if anything, Alabama's had a good run of getting kids out of Monroe, Treeport, or whatnot mm-hmm. here in the past few years. But it looks like uh, Ole Miss is going to make a major dent here on um, as you mentioned, he is the number three player in the country, according to Rivals.com, as of their new ratings today. And um, I'm 99.9% certain he's committing to Ole Miss. All of the Ole Miss media is going to Shreveport to cover the announcement. Um, Tiger, the TigerDroppings.com, is that their rival? Or one of their yeah. sites that covers two, them? I think it might be 247. I'm not sure. But, yeah, maybe it's Rivals. Yeah, yeah I was reading that earlier today. Yeah, they're uh, they're not too happy about the possibility of Shea Patterson to Ole Miss. But like you said, he's not a Louisiana native. He is just living in Louisiana and attending high school. Um, they're at Cavalry Baptist. I think that's his high school. They they won Louisiana State Championship this year uh, behind the great season from Shea. Uh, as you mentioned, his brother is a huge part of his recruitment. Um, he's been his coach, I want to say, his whole life pretty much, and Chase talked about wanting to be coached by him at the college level as well. So uh, no complaints from me at all if uh, Corey Batoon moving up onto the field opened up a better position for, for Sean Patterson. I'm perfectly fine with that strategy. Uh, Ole Miss has obviously had a lot of, lot of difficulty recruiting um, big-name high school quarterbacks. This would certainly be the biggest one to commit to Ole Miss since Eli Manning. Um, and before that, maybe ever. What do you think, John? I would definitely think so. And the other part of, uh, by all accounts, with Shea is it, it, he's not going to be the only. It's not just a one-person package. There are right. multiple talented players that play with him on travel rosters, and pretty much the whole country understands how good he is. He he will have a strong influence as far as um, bringing in other players to the fall. It's going to appears like presuming he commits to Ole Miss tomorrow. Hopefully, they're not put in the cart before the horse, but this is by all indications I'd be I think I think everybody would be quite surprised if it was not an Ole Miss uh, announcement for Ole Miss tomorrow. 
he's going to bring additional guys with him that essentially recognize, hey, this kid's the real deal. We're following him. And we've talked about Ole Miss is a lot of their current 2016 commitments have been there, been with them since before their junior year. This is the class that Freeze and, and staff, given the scholarship list, number of situations, given the how the cards fell as far as the talented players and the connections and tie-ins and whatnot. Where this this is we everybody talks about the 2013 class with Robert Laramie, Laquan, Tony Connor, Every Ingram, et cetera. This class has the potential to to uh, surpass that from a talent perspective. And Absolutely. really, in in it's kind of the opposite of last year. We had Leo Lewis and Drew Richmond as your two top guys, rating ranking wise, committed, but they were shaky the whole time. Whereas Shea is going to commit, regardless of who he chooses tomorrow, he's going to. We are presuming Ole Miss. He will be firmly committed and will immediately turn into a recruiter, and probably and realistically has already been a recruiter. So we just it, it's there's been a lot of rumors about this for a couple weeks now. This is just kind of a formality on the process from what I gather. So mm-hmm. this is definitely exciting. Kind of news of this broke Thursday night during the second half of the Florida the Ole Miss game. Between this and the Moody hitting hitting that three to win the game, it was kind of like yeah. a, it was it was a very uh, happy hour for Ole Miss sports fans who. Indeed, kind of way, indeed. Pay way too much attention like we do. So this, <laughs> you, you put them in the same sense as Eli Manning. This is, this is, it, this cannot be overstated how big of a commitment this is. Presuming it happens tomorrow, I guess we we can always delete the podcast if we get it wrong, right? So. <laughs> right. We'll just we'll we'll bank on that. We're gonna put it up tonight. But uh, if you commit to LSU, we'll probably just quit the podcast altogether. Honestly, based on what I'm hearing right now. I mean, looking looking online, look at the. The two four seven crystal ball, uh, and you'll see so many people that had uh, Shane Patterson committing to other places started switching their commitment a few days ago. And I think right now it's seventy five percent old mess, and you got to assume the rest of the people just haven't kept up with it or checked with their sources lately because it really seems like everything coming out of Oxford is that Shane Patterson and his family have committed to old mess privately. So we'll see if that's made official tomorrow uh, at noon. You can watch the press conference uh, on, I think, the Times Picayune website. Um, I, I can tweet a link out tomorrow during the day if I remember. So uh, that'll be news to follow. Um, another little old Miss story from the from the week of the last couple of days. Laquan Treadwell posted on his Instagram a video of he and Denzel Kadici, uh running in the IPS. Uh, they looked good. Obviously not fully healed. They ran maybe 20, 30 yards. They're not ready to play spring ball or anything like that. But obviously it's encouraging just three and a half months after that awful injury uh, in the game versus Auburn that Treadwell continues to continue with his rehab and improve and get ready to play uh, come August. So very encouraging news for Ole Miss fans. Um, Look for Patterson's commitment tomorrow, hopefully. Although, of course, let's all remember verbal commitments are not binding. We know that, but it's still exciting. Just let us have our fun. Let us win the press conference. It's very important as Ole Miss fans. It is obviously all that we care about. <laughs> you got anything else you want to talk about this week, John? No, I think we're good. This is the, the Shea Patterson news is really we we will look back at the, I think we will look at uh, Fat Tuesday 2015 as a uh, turning point for years to come. I will go that far and say that. That's bold, John, but uh, I gotta hope you're correct. So. Historic Fat Tuesday tomorrow for Ole Miss fans. We'll see 
Uh, follow us on Twitter at SharksAFTR Dark. Visit our website, LandSharksAfterDark. Subscribe on iTunes. We'll keep you up to date with what's going on with all of that. Baseball versus Arkansas State. Have we get that right? Tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, Wright State this weekend. Basketball versus Michigan State on Thursday. And Tennessee on Saturday. So uh, check those games out. Keep listening, guys. Thanks for, thanks for listening. We'd love to have you all. And uh, how are you, Dottie? Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.